Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today on the program, well, let's pray. I got to pray before I tell you this story. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable what my kids said to me, my kids specifically, my freshman in college and my senior in high school. And, and my freshman jumped on board too, but it was really that those two young ladies. Unbelievable. Okay. Um, it's about the love of Jesus. Okay. Uh, but I'm just stunned. And it just happened a, a few hours ago. I shared it with Carrie and I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> We're going to pray. And then, and then I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to dive into it. I've got a few stories today that they're all wrapped around this theme that I've been talking about, which is you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You just need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life if you're going to be a an authentic disciple of Jesus that radiates Jesus Christ, okay? And that's what we want. What do we want in our lives? We don't want to just talk about Jesus. We don't want to impose rules and beliefs and practices that are connected to following Jesus. No, we want to foster the relationship, right? You you can't have listened to Sound Insight for very long without having heard that that is what Carrie and I have as our goal as parents. All right, I'm getting defensive already. <laughs> Let me pray. Let me pray, because I am going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about the love in the heart of Jesus. And then I just got to dive into this conversation. And then a couple of allied stories as well. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name, I thank you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for pouring forth on our uh, on our lives and, and releasing within our hearts the gift of love, who is your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please be at work in me and through me today. And I pray that, uh, as I share, that many would be blessed, many would be touched. Lord, many would be um, get a sense of you. That I want, Lord, I, I want every person who hears my voice to somehow come into contact with yours, a word that is fresh and new for each of them, these dear sweet brothers and sisters of mine in Jesus Christ. Lord, that is what I want. I want you to be glorified, Lord. So Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right. Now, now I'm sure if you've listened to the program thus far, you're like, what in the world is Tom talking about? Okay, so I had my kids with me. I had, let's see, four, four of my kids? Five, one, two, three, four, five. Five of the kiddos with me. Four of the teenagers. Four of the teenagers. And my youngest, Liliana. And we were driving back. I had them help me um, do some cleaning. We were cleaning a house. And um, on the way back, I, we started in on, I don't know, we were talking about something uh, theological. I, I don't even remember what it was. It was, um, I don't know if they saw a sign, uh, uh, like a billboard, or some topic came up in class. But we started to talk about the Catholic faith and Christian faith. And and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, my daughter, Ariana, she's a senior at the Oaks, she said, and, and uh, this is a, um, I'm going to have to be paraphrasing. I'm going to have to be paraphrasing what she said, and then uh, the pile-on began with Mary Catherine, um, and then to some degree John Luke. John Mark was mostly quiet in all of this. But here's the gist of it, and, and I won't put certain phrases in their mouths, but th- essentially this is what they said. They said, Dad, you and Mom did not introduce us to the love of Jesus growing up. <laughs> what? Dad, you and Mom uh, did not uh, help us realize that uh, we were called into a personal relationship with Jesus. And I I was flabbergasted. I was just, my mouth was just like wide open. Like, what, what do you say? And 
And then, um, and, and they started to give examples from their standpoint, like, well, what do you mean? And they said, well, you, you didn't read Bible stories to us. You uh, didn't teach us how to read the Bible. You didn't, you focused on praying the rosary. You focused on following the rules. You focused on um, the, like, learning the beliefs. And we never heard about, we never learned how to develop a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, so first of all, I just, I, I'm like, the reason why that was so stunning to me, and those of you that know me, that know Carrie, and know our entire life of raising our kids, and I don't know how many times I've shared it on the radio, I'm like, more than I want our kids to self-identify with saying, I know what the church teaches, I follow the, the commandments of the church, and I follow the ritualistic practices of the church, right? This is, a, again, a Pope Benedict thing, right? All those things are important, but they're just a burden unless you have the encounter, unless you have the encounter that goes to the heart, the encounter with the Father who's reaching out in love. And um, you, you want... You want your kids, I want my kids to have it, and I, and I use each of the features, an intimate, personal, profound, life-giving. Intimate, personal, profound, life-giving. The nearness, the personal, you, Jesus knows you, the profound, it goes deeper and deeper, and the uh, life-giving, that it, it leads to flourishing. Relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And to develop in these personal relationships with the persons of the Trinity I mean, that's my life. That's Carrie's life. That's what we long for for our kids and what we've shared. And it was so very interesting for me to say, okay, let me let me listen more. Let me see if I can figure out what are they saying and what are they what do they mean by what they're saying? So the kids went on and, and they shared some stories. Okay, so listen to these stories. These are very interesting. Um, they talked about, um, for instance, Mary Catherine said that she was so grateful to Franciscan University because she has finally come into that personal relationship with Jesus. Ariana jumped in and said, I'm so grateful to the Oaks because at the Oaks, I learned how to encounter Jesus by praying and praying with the scriptures. And I learned about faith. I learned about the attributes of God. I mean, who talks like that? I learned about the attributes of God. And I'm so, you know, I'm so glad that uh, you sent me to the Oaks. And in contrast, in contrast, what we remember about growing up in your under your care in your home is not a lot of talk about the love of God, the personal relationship with Jesus and these other things. And the um, what what I'm and I'm still trying to process it. I'm still trying to figure it out because if, if you like had a video <laughs> and you could you could watch the video at like a thousand times speed and you watched how we, raised our kids, I think that there'd be few themes in our in our in our time with our kids in terms of time, effort, energy, focus, attention, a few themes that we talked about more than we talked about Jesus knows you. He's here with you. Reach out to him when you're struggling. And doing things to um, help the kids develop that relationship. So I, I said, you know, I said, there, there are elements of truth in what you've said, and I want to hear that. But I said, what about what about the things that we did? My first answer was this, and, and I think that, that it's partly right. I said, you know, I think you're at that stage in your life now where you're able to hear those, those realities that you're talking about, the personal relationship, the love of God, the love of the Father, and I'm thrilled. I, and I, I don't know how many times I said, I am really thrilled to hear you say that. But I think that 
you don't remember the fact that this is has been a central focus of what mom and I have wanted for you and have intentionally, consciously dedicated ourselves to introduce you into. And they're like, we don't remember any of that. We don't remember any of that. I'm like, do you remember all of those times where I would have you sit and I'd say, Jesus is here and I want you to learn to listen and Jesus, he, he will speak to you. You can you can actually learn how to communicate to Jesus. Oh, those quiet times. Oh, yeah, that 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 wasn't it. That didn't mean anything. That was those. I I just got distracted. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, wait a minute now. Uh, and they said, well, we'd, we well we'd go to adoration only because we would uh, get ice cream afterwards. And I said, yeah, but you do realize that when we would go to adoration, what would we do? We would pray a rosary before we got to adoration to kind of clear the clear out the um, the distractedness and the and the chaotic thinking and get them to focus and then we'd go into adoration and what would i say to you i said remember now that's jesus he's here and just let him love you and and open your heart to him he's open and he wants to speak to you and it's so interesting because they don't remember it they don't remember all of those things in terms of in terms of connection to what they know now okay okay did you hear that and this is such an important point such an important point for for parents to to hear this it's this sowing of the seeds you're sowing seeds when you do family prayer times, when you do oh, quiet times, adoration, when you do, like I said, what about youth groups? What about we have families over? We pray together as faith. What about family? What about, the, and they said, well, just you forced us to pray the rosary. And that's all I remember. And then you would uh, threaten us with more rosaries if we didn't pray the rosary well. And we just get bored and distracted. And then, and then they started answering themselves. They said, well, you did say that we were supposed to focus on the mysteries, but I didn't know how to do that. And I'm like, and therefore, <laughs> is what I'm thinking in my mind. Therefore, is there maybe something deeper here that you don't realize? Or is it that you've settled for less and you're missing out on the riches? Um, as hard as it is to pray the rosary with a sense of that rich relationship with Jesus. But the bigger point was this. Just because you use the right words, just because those words are meaningfully connected to your own life, just because you do things that are fostering and deepening your own relationship with the Lord and that you're introducing them into the lives of your kids doesn't mean doesn't mean that they get it. Doesn't mean that those seeds are taking root. Those seeds are, are blossoming forth in growth. Those are not the same things. Those are not the same things. You don't have control over that. And I felt I felt a little bit sad. I said to Carrie, uh, when I was talking to her about this conversation, I said, you know, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad did not talk to me about the love of God. They did not tell me that they loved me. That was that was not their generation. They both grew up in very difficult circumstances, and that idea of being effect, uh, a, uh, effusive um, and affectionate was not their personality. It wasn't their personal history. Uh, there were a, a number of things that mitigated against their ability to do that warmly, and, and what they did do well was discipline. What they did do well was raise up this clear idea you do what is right, you honor God, you do what is wrong, and you will face the judgment of God. You will face the ultimate consequences of betraying God's commandments, which is hell. And that was loud and clear in my ringing in my ears. And it, uh, and so when I think about like my childhood um, and, and this idea of not hearing about the love of Jesus. Well, objectively speaking, if you ran the tape, you just didn't hear it. So I'm thinking, how is it the case that the, those same kinds of phrases could come out of my kids' mouths right now as compared to my mouth when I describe how I was brought up? And I think I've got the answer. Okay, I think I've got the reason why. And it has to do with the word. And, well, actually two words. And these two words 
really important and critical if we're going to raise our kids in faith. You know what those two words are? Oh, I'm not going to wait. make you wait a minute. Those two words are witness and encounter. And I'll tell you why those two words are so vitally important today on Sound Insight. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. Ages and stages in faith. There are different ages and there are different stages in the development of faith. And tonight I got to experience, or earlier tonight, I got to, I'm sorry, this is, uh, let's see, Tuesday? Tuesday night. As I am recording this program, you're hearing it on Wednesday. And earlier tonight, just had this wow conversation with my kiddos in the car ride home. And they were, my daughter, my high school senior daughter was giving me parenting advice on how to parent my youngest child, uh, my nine-year-old, and letting her know how much God loves her. (laughs) And I'm like, who are you? Where did you come from? And, And that was just one of the things she shared in the midst of um, you know, this, this kind of one, two punch, uh, in the third guy on the side, uh, kind of saying to me, you know, we did not, we have not learned how to grow in our relationship with Jesus in the home when we were younger. And thank God for the Oaks. Thank God for the schooling we're receiving now, because we're reading the scriptures and we're learning how to pray and we're, and then here, okay, now here it is. I said there are two words that are, that are critical here, witness and encounter, witness and encounter. And th- those things come together. Those things, when you witness someone's, when you witness the fruit of someone's encounter with Jesus, that itself can become a place of encounter with Jesus. Let me say that again. No one's ever said that to me before. In fact, I'm just saying it now live with you for the first time. When you witness, sorry, when you listen to someone witness to their encounter with Jesus, you have the potential of having your own encounter with Jesus. When you listen to a witness share about their encounter with Jesus, that itself can become used by God to be a place of encounter with Jesus, okay? I'm gonna give you some stories, just again, from the last week to last few days to help you get what I mean. Okay, so we, over the weekend, over Memorial Day weekend, we were up in Priest Lake. We went to Mass at St. Blanche Catholic Church. St. Blanche, I've never heard of St. Blanche. (laughs) Who is St. Blanche? I didn't look it up, I don't know who she is. Uh, probably connected to the Jesuits somehow is my guess because Priest River was founded by the Jesuits. Okay, so at Mass, um, boy, don't let first impressions like cloud your judgment. So this priest comes in, uh, and he is small in stature, and he is probably my age, so he's old, and he... Um, He's a, an extern priest, so he's come here serving from a foreign country. Um, I, I believe he's from Africa. And just watching his mannerisms as he was getting ready for Mass, I just thought, oh, this is going to be, you know, hopefully um, a holy Mass, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And unfortunately, the musician um, was sick and so was not at Mass, and he found that out minutes before Mass. And... Um, and all of a sudden, here we go. He presides in, um, and he is singing. And he sings a song, uh, That King of Glory Comes, The Nation Rejoices. And I just thought back to the 1970s uh, when we sang that song back in my parish when I was a teenager. And I had a warm feeling about it, but I was like, oh, this is really interesting. We're going back to that music. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I witnessed a witness. I, I was present in the presence of a holy witness. 
this priest, I, I've never met him before. I don't even know his name. Wow. He, he was alive in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was alive in this priest. And it, he wasn't like a fiery preacher. He wasn't, a, uh, he didn't have a charismatic personality, like a winning way with words. But when he spoke about Jesus, he was speaking as a witness. He was giving a testimony to what was real in his life. And he was witnessing to the encounter. And it became a place of encounter uh, for, for my son, John Luke. Uh, he preached and he sang and he had us shout amen. And then he sang some more and then had us respond and repeat what he, he was saying. And he was, he was alive in the spirit as he presided at mass. And I did not know, I was a little caught off guard when after mass, we're driving back to the cabin we were in, and John Luke says, Dad, that was the best priest I've ever seen. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, Dad, that was the best mass I ever remember. He said, I, I was right there. I got something out of it. I heard him. And he said, I really liked him. He he was just really good. He was so good. I just, he was the best priest I've ever seen. And where the conversation went was he, he spoke from his experience. He spoke about Jesus like he knew him. He spoke about Jesus like he had had multiple encounters with him. He knew Jesus, and he knew that Jesus knew him, and he loves Jesus, and he was allowing Jesus to love him. And you know what? That showed up. That showed up powerfully. And I certainly picked up on it. You know, there was a stirring when he would sing some of these simple verses in this um, re repeat response, like speak in response, um, or sing in response uh, approach. Uh, but I did not come away with this ta-da, like overwhelming sense of Jesus is alive. And it made me stop and think, huh, is something going on in John Luke? Is there a way in which he is breaking open and coming into a place of encounter with Jesus? And, and as a result of that, he has a greater sensitivity. He's more alert. He's more on the outlook. Um, he has a greater sense of expectant faith that the living Lord Jesus is being stirred in him when a witness to the encounter becomes a source of encounter in your own life. And that's all I could think of was that, wow, that meant something. Okay, that leads me to the next story. And this next story was about um, the gift of living witnesses in prayer. When you witness someone praying, you're witnessing to their encounter with Jesus. And when you have the witness of being present to someone who's in a moment of authentic and profound and even fervent prayer, it radiates the Lord. Union radiates. It radiates the Lord. And that has an impact. And they shared a couple of stories about this. First story um, was about um, a couple of kids um, that um, are at the Oaks. These are friends of my kiddos, and we love these friends. 
Well, when we had family prayer um, at our trip, um, we would um, go around in a circle and we would talk about a scripture. We actually were talking about the Acts of the Apostles um, in preparation for the novena as part of our own novena preparation. And then we would, um, after reading the scripture of, of Acts 1, um, or the portion of it, um, and the conversation, we then would go around the circle and pray. We'd say something we were grateful for, and we would say something that um, we are asking the Lord for. And our training of them was, uh, don't just say, I'm grateful for my dog, and I pray for a good day tomorrow. I said, no, no, talk to the Lord. Talk to Jesus. He's here. Talk to him. And um, and so my kids, this is the great thing of having guests with you, is that they are less likely to complain, less likely to be snarky, and really want to up their game and do what they know we're asking them to do, which is to engage in prayer like it's a personal reality, <laughs> that you are actually talking to the Lord and you have a sense that he hears you, he's with you, and he's responding to you. Well, um, we go around the circle and we have, um, you know, our guests also join in the prayer. And it was one of them that they referenced earlier tonight. They said, did you remember how he prayed? Uh, Do you remember how that happened? And they were talking about how, these were the words they were using, like how intense it was and how authentic it was and how he was so into it. And how it was so moving. It was moving to them as they heard him pray. He he was bringing out into the open, he was witnessing too, his union with God in prayer by the prayer that he prayed. And again, I thought it was a, it was, you know, it was a, it was a good prayer. It was a beautiful prayer. It was, um, it was wonderful to behold a young man being able to pray like that. But, I didn't think there was this like rich, powerful, profound anointing that nothing like I'd heard before. But here's the point. It was that they were at a different place. They were at a different stage. They were more open. They were more receptive. And so when they saw this testimony, they experienced this testimony, this witness of an encounter, then it became for them a point of encounter. Are you getting the theme here? And... So they brought that up. They brought up that story. And then um, uh, Ariana referenced another story where they were flying back from Costa Rica and this other boy was reading his Bible. Um, uh, this boy in her class, another Oaks uh, uh, graduate, and saying how um, he was reading his Bible and how he was really into it. He was really focused on reading God's Word. And that's where she went back to. She's like, I'm so grateful that I'm hanging around with these friends who love Jesus, love his word, seek to know him through reading scripture, and are striving to live godly lives. And I just thought, oh my goodness, who are you? <laughs> um, and she, uh, Ariana is writing her, um, they have a chance at the end of their year to, to speak a senior like final message. What's your final message to the the Oaks community? They gather all the kids into the gym and then the seniors get up and they can deliver, I think it's a 30 second to one minute message um, to the, and they can say anything they want. They can talk about anything they want. And Ariana finished hers and it was open on the computer and I read it and I just, my, my jaw dropped and I just said, Carrie, you got to read this. And it was so beautiful. I don't even want to tell you what's what's in it other than it was reflective of the things that I just heard here, how grateful she was to have encountered um, teachers and students and you know friends who are striving to live lives as disciples of Jesus Christ and how that makes all the difference and it has made her to be so happy. Um, in fact, if I'm going to see if I can convince her to come on the radio and uh, read it. Um, it. It'll be a real encouragement, but also a confirmation about the exact things that I talk about on the radio, about how 
how much there is at stake and how you need to make decisions, even serious decisions that involve lots of suffering for the kiddos to uproot them from where where they are to get them to a healthy place where they would not go. But once they're there and they get detoxed from what they've been through, even though they don't realize it, they come out healthy, refreshed, and life-giving. But like I said, say a prayer for that. Say a prayer that Ariana would be willing to share her senior speech. It's short. Uh, on the radio this Friday um, during a faith and family uh, program. Okay, third story is uh, Mary Catherine. Um, and she said, you know, Dad, um, when we were living um, on the West Side, um, we were looking for a good youth group for our kids, and a youth group that would be engaging and energetic and, and have a sense of dynamism and, and uh, kind of, let's call it dialed in, right? D- a dialed in youth group. Well, the church that was closest to us um, had a, a dynamic youth pastor and youth pastoring team. It wasn't Catholic, but it was um, it was it was happening. Well, um, they ended up going to Belize to serve the poor, and they were in difficult circumstances. And um, I, n- I never heard Mary Catherine say this. I know that when she came home, she was listening to more praise and worship music, but she said that. She experienced something in the prayer, in the praise, and in the preaching. And what was the preaching? It was a a witness to an encounter that was coming from the preacher that moved her to such an extent that she said something that I never thought she'd say. What was it? Well, I'll tell you that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you today. So, so here I am, and uh, Mary Catherine is sharing. Again, this is all happening in this car ride. <laughs> it's all happening in the car ride. She references her time in Belize with Ariana. The two of them went there and did this short-term missionary trip uh, to serve the poor. We really believe in those that concept of short-term mission trips to help break open their sense of comfort and ease and to get them to serve the poor and to encounter the Lord in those places of brokenness and desperation. So I didn't think that it would be the praise and worship times where the youth pastor would preach these messages about Jesus and about um, sin and about uh, the necessity to repent and to follow the Lord with all your heart. And, And she said, this was a version of faith that she had not experienced before, and it made her want to practice that faith. And um, and then she said, thank God for Franciscan. Thank God for Franciscan University, because there I have been able to encounter so many other young adult Catholics and teachers and um, events that are full of what? Full of witnesses to the encounter. And when you have witnesses to the encounter, those can become conduits for an encounter itself. So um, hearing all of this, hearing the story of John Luke say, this was the best priest I've ever seen in my life. Ariana say, I'm so grateful to uh, my friends at the Oaks because they are praying with this fervor, this intensity, this authenticity in the scriptures that I am drawn to and then Mary Catherine saying, I experienced a form of relationship with the Lord in in Belize, in, the, in that context, and now I'm experiencing it here at Franciscan in a way that I just hadn't known before. And sharing that whole sum total of things with Carrie uh, before I came here and, and recorded this program with you guys, uh, is it was it was it was it was a great cause for rejoicing. It was a cause for pondering, and it was also a cause for great sadness. So the cause of rejoicing is this: you know, I really don't mind if you think that I did not do a good enough job uh, raising you with a message, with a witness, <laughs> an encounter to the living Lord Jesus Christ, that that was the purpose and goal of how we would raise you, that you would become an intimate uh, 
personal, profound, life-giving relationship with Jesus that will determine how you live your life. That if you didn't get that, well, uh, it doesn't matter if you don't remember it. It doesn't matter if you weren't paying attention. It doesn't matter if you were too young to take it in when I was saying it. But all I know is I'm thrilled beyond measure that I heard you say what you said to me uh, in the, on the car ride home because it means that there's something living going on. There's something beautiful going on where all of a sudden the same scriptures are coming alive in a new way. The same words are coming alive in a new way. And whether the, whatever, the, whatever the realm of you just don't remember all that Carrie and I did just doesn't matter. It does not matter as much as, as much as. See, see how much it matters? I'm still sliding that in there. Um, it just doesn't matter compared to the reality that they will hunger for and pursue and realize a deeper union with Jesus Christ and through Jesus be introduced to the loving mercy of the Father and experience the gift of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the release of the Holy Spirit with his anointing on their lives. That's what I care about. And it just seems to me that for Ariana, my senior, that having written her thesis paper on um, fostering missionary activity in in young people, uh, reading her senior speech, listening to, all of a sudden, these things make much more sense. And then the fact that she's going on the world race next year to do a year on mission, it just feels like it's a moment of grace where the Lord is breaking in and breaking open and like soaking her in that reality of, you can get to know Jesus. You can, and you're invited to do that. And I want that for you. So I, I, I'm excited about that. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm still pondering how is it the case, really, really, that you don't remember all those things that we did other than the things that I've already shared, like the reasons why. And then the last one was sadness. And this is the one I haven't shared yet. And what's the great sadness? The, the, the great sadness is I don't know how strong the witness to the encounter is in our typical priest, in our typical bishop. Do you really sense that magnetic draw to their words, to that sense of weightiness, that sense of power coming forth when they, when they speak about Jesus, when they speak about the Lord? Do you come away with a sense that this one knows Jesus. This one loves Jesus. This one so desires to serve the Lord and to help you come to know the Lord as well. Or is it more the performance? Well, or the duty? Or the, you know, I, I know the right words. I'm, I'm even really smart and I'll be able to say the right things when I get into the homily. And so might be great teacher, but is there preaching going on? Is there that sense of, I'm just desperate for you to get to know Jesus. I'm just desperate for you to develop that relationship with God. Let's, let's talk about that. That's the part that was troubling. That, I mean, I, I spent five years in the seminary. And if I had asked the guys, or if we were given an assignment, Stand up and give your testimony. Stand up and give your testimony, um, which would have to do with either the awakening of faith or some time when the Lord stepped in and led you through a hard time, etc. Right? Whatever the manner of testimony or a sin you've overcome, I don't have a lot of confidence that the great majority of these then seminarians and now priests and a whole bunch of bishops didn't didn't sense that vibe of, you know what? This one loves Jesus. This one is madly pursuing Jesus and longs for Jesus to be known. That's my experience. That's my experience of the the priest that um, I studied with. And... um, of the seminaries I studied with who are now priests, as well as the many bishops 
that I've gotten to know uh, through the years. And there are exceptions. There are exceptions, right? There are exceptions. So, um, for instance, um, Archbishop Sarton. I, I, boy, what an amazing. He, what was he? He was someone who was what able to give witness to the encounter that he had. The witness to the encounter that he had with Jesus, and um, I felt like that was one of his strongest gifts was to be that kind of witness. Um, let's see, uh, Bishop Muggenberg. So one of the things I enjoy about Bishop Muggenberg is his emphasis on being a disciple, and he is brilliant. He really is. He's brilliant. If you haven't read. You know, these are not going to be bestsellers because of the title. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's something like Scriptural Reflections on, you know, uh, uh, what's it, Cycle 1 or Season 1 or A. Um, it's basically like Sunday reading uh, reflections uh, by Bishop Muggenberg, and they're amazing. And you think he could not write those things if it was just about being able to— um, convey facts and information and to do that in in a good order right a well-ordered presentation as as helpful as all of that is but just knowing him knowing bishop muggenberg he's now down in reno uh he loves jesus he loves jesus i just know it so that's what we need we need the compelling witness of the encounter but how are we going to get to the compelling witness of the encounter? And all of this really brings me around to the fundamental importance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the love of God. The Holy Spirit is the delight of God. It's the delight that the Lord takes in us, and it's the delight that we are invited to take in Him. It's that mutuality. It's the coming to to know that we are known by Jesus and that when he preached and he suffered, he was thinking of you. And you can come to know that. And that's what I so want my kids to know. And guess what? They're coming to know it, but think that I didn't know it and never taught it to them. (laughs) It's still puzzling. All right, back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Karn. It's great to be with you today. All right. So, a lot of conversation today about this, what this, let's call it this dawning realization that Jesus Christ is the living Lord and I can know him. There's no way we're going to do that on our own strength. There's no like magic pill. There's no magic formula. Um, no, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of the living God. It's the spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It's the promise of the Father sent by the Father and the Son who dwells in your heart. And it's that Holy Spirit that we seek, ask, and knock for in this time of vigil, in this time of expectant waiting, in this time of being receptive and open in this time of removing blockages to the greater reception of the Holy Spirit, it is the urgent longing and the yearning for more of God's Holy Spirit that stretches us, stretches our capacity to receive Him. And so, uh, you know, with all of that said, I, I mean, I just share all that with you to say, well, what do we then do? What, what, what ought I do? to access that more, to come into contact with that more of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's why we pray in Novena. That's why Pope Leo XIII decreed that every parish, every church, every chapel ought to, on a yearly basis, do a Novena to the Holy Spirit. For he was convinced that we needed to draw on the power of the Holy Spirit if we were going to be victorious over the onslaught of the devil. And wow, do you feel like we have 
as a Catholic church, accessed the power of the Holy Spirit? The answer is no, we haven't. Just demographically, it's not like we were persecuted into small numbers. No, we were softened into small numbers. We were seduced into small numbers. We were, uh, we were led into betrayals and lost so many. It's a staggering numerical uh, picture to see how many Catholics we've lost but it often just gets obscured or overlooked. It doesn't get faced head on. There is no sense of saying, God, please reveal to us the way. Show us the way. We are lost without you. Or if we don't do anything, this is just going to continue. And Lord, we just can't do that. We're so desperate to have more people come to know you. Like, where's that spirit? Where is that spirit? Where is that longing and yearning, that hunger? So, but that's something that we can have for ourselves. It is. It's something that we can have ourselves. I I do recommend that you ask the saints to pray for you. I'm giving away a good secret here. This is a good one. Ask the saints whose lives were marked by profound, life-transforming encounters with the Holy Spirit and ask them to pray for you. Ask them to pray because, well, they already were chosen by God and often living amazing holy lives to receive a very special outpouring in their own lives and to, to trust in this sense of uh, a participation, this sense of um, handing on of the anointing. And so I, I love to ask St. Philip Neri or uh, St. S- uh, Simeon the Stylite or um, St. Um, Seraphim of Saroff, uh, these saints of the Holy Spirit, these saints who had a deep devotion to the Holy Spirit and experienced a deep encounter with the Holy Spirit, to be able to say, pray for me, pray for me. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's very beautiful. And what will that lead to? I don't know. I don't know. But so there's also the the stuff to do inside, right? The internal stuff. Like I said yesterday on the program um, that I felt convicted that I wasn't doing what I feel called to do and I know better. I know better. And what I know better is go to Mass. If I can, if I am somehow not getting to Mass, then I am missing out on on, um, what it is the Lord is... um, wanting to do in my life or is giving me the um, the permission, giving me the option of accessing that nearness to him in the Eucharist. And, um, and for me, it's just a, I said, if I don't do it, it, it's just a rationalization to say why I didn't. Well, sure enough, the next day, I was planning, thinking, got up early, and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute now. I can't go to that mass because of this meeting. Well, can I go to that mass? Oh, I can't get there that time either. Well, then what about this other one? And then it was, oh, I think the best chance is going to be to go later in the day at St. Mary. And I thought, no, 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 no. I know how this ends. I know that story. I know how it ends. All good intentions don't follow through. And all of a sudden, I'd miss mass a day, and I had no good reason. Well, that then led me to the uh, reality of um, saying, no, I'm going to just let other people down. Well, that's too strong a way of saying it. I'm going to let them know I'm not going to be able to get there at the time I thought. I'm going to get there a little bit later. And you know what? You can figure stuff out. Figure it out. And guess what? Went to Mass this morning, and they figured it out. They didn't need me. They had it under control, and they were moving forward. So praise be to God for that. Okay, so um, what else can we do? What else can we do to, in this time of novena, to uh, grow in our capacity to receive a deeper anointing of the Holy Spirit? Um, one is going to be fasting. Fasting that just that act of self-denial, that act of saying no to God, no to self for the sake of God, that sense of saying, I'm not going to simply choose comfort and ease. I'm going to choose the Lord. That just the ability to do that is wonderful and powerful. It clears away blockages. It removes roadblocks that you, you thought were not possible. 
The Lord does amazing things through fasting. And here's the thing. It's kind of like what my kids were saying about knowing Jesus. You can talk till you're blue in the face about um, the experience of the trip and say how wonderful it was. And they might nod and smile and say, oh, yes, it was, I'm sure. But until they've gone through it themselves, they're not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. And so we don't want that with the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit has got us. So Holy Spirit, come in and get us. Come in and set us free. Come and, and be released within us in new ways. Come, Holy Spirit, I don't want to miss out on um, the ways in which uh, the ways in which you can um, help me to operate with greater power, right? So that's that's what we want in our life of faith. We want more of that Holy Spirit. Now, I haven't yet done it, and I'm running out of time this week. So I'll I'll just say that I'll do this tomorrow on Sound Insight. I'll take a look at the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Catechism has a couple of powerful passages about the effects of confirmation. And I'm going to be talking about praying with you um, and for you for a deeper release of the Holy Spirit, what the scriptures call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds a little bit scary, but the Lord does so much to set people free through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He makes life alive. And so, and sadly, you're not going to get it till you get it. It won't make sense to you until you've experienced it. And so I really hope that tomorrow when I talk about the seven gifts of the Spirit and how these seven gifts are um, alive in us already, the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit are given in baptism, and then they're increased in confirmation, given in baptism, increased in confirmation. And so uh, I think you'll be fascinated to learn more about his story and uh, the way he um, is able to um, take our lives and unbind us and set us free to experience new power that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how he, the Holy Spirit, is waiting. How he is waiting to bless you even more than you are desiring to be blessed. So tomorrow I'll talk about wisdom, understanding, knowledge. I'll talk about right judgment, prudence. Uh, I'll talk about um, courage, uh, reverence, and fear of the Lord. So these gifts uh, that come from the Holy Spirit are game changers. And they're also the place where we can come into a relational contact with the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? I didn't say Jesus. I said with the Holy Spirit. You can come to know Jesus. Sorry, you can come to know the Holy Spirit through the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in your heart. That's where we can come to get a sense of what is the personality of the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit want of me? Holy Spirit, I love you. What do you want of me today? Let's go. Let's do something amazing. So I'll dig into those themes tomorrow on Sound Insight. Hey, if you're blessed by these programs, go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. And uh, you can get free resources there. You can also learn about my real estate work, helping you buy and sell homes. Love to be able to do that in Washington and in Idaho. All right, I'm up against the end of my program.